Hello, uh, welcome to the Goof Zone. I'm Jackson Tyler, your host. Uh, the second host is Destiny Sturdivant. We never actually introduce ourselves in the podcast proper, so I'm here with an introduction to the introduction, so everyone knows who we are, because we didn't say that because we're really good, we're really professional, and we're really skilled. Uh, I'm also here to say what the Goof Zone is, let everyone know what we're about, and what that is, is that the Goof Zone is a podcast about mental health and general silliness. We're going to joke around, we're going to have a laugh about nonsense, uh, and then we're going to talk about depression and anxiety and the mental health troubles that we face. The aim is for the Goof Zone to be a safe space of sharing for the two of us and also for anyone listening, so you can write in to ask anything or share anything or talk about anything and uh, we will happily uh, respond to your emails. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the Goof Zone, we are at goofzone at gmail.com. So please do that if you want to. There was originally a question segment in this episode, but we cut it in order to um, answer those questions going forward uh, because we kind of... This is this is an, an untested pilot of the episode of the podcast and everything's still in flux. It's a weird introductory episode. Everything's a bit strange and you'll see what the podcast actually is going forward, but this gives you a good idea and it's a good enough introduction to us and our own struggles and our own depression. Uh, the content warning for uh, yeah, the con- I can't talk, it's really annoying I'm meant to be doing this really professional intro in contrast to our unprofessional podcast but I can't talk anyway, the content warnings for this episode uh, let me bring them up because I hadn't even alt-tabbed to them man, I'm good at this uh, content warnings are depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts grief, loneliness and bullying uh, if that might potentially trigger you, then don't listen to this episode. You can listen next week, and we will warn you every single week about any potential content warnings, uh, trigger warnings, what have you, it's because we really want the Goof Zone to be a safe space for people struggling with mental health issues. It's not a place of judgment. It's not a podcast of judgment. The Goof Zone isn't actually not real. It's the title of the podcast. It's not real. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's not a place of judgment. It's just a place where we're sharing and talking about our issues and just joking around and hopefully making ourselves and people listening who are similar to us. And also, if you just want to understand uh, mental health and depression more, just feel less alone. Uh, the advice, not advice, I mean the things we say uh, will be hopefully applicable to more than just depressed people. Uh, they'll be applicable to anyone who wants to get a kind of structure in their lives that we do that going forward that's what it's going to be it's going to be the journey of our lives the progress we make these stories that that tells in and of ourselves uh, just our lives and that'll be cool uh, but for now this episode is just us sharing our di- diagnoses talking about mental health and how we relate to it and asking how was our week which is one of our regular segments but we went really long this episode was scrambled together with the sheer force of will and editing. It's, it's amazing that you can even listen to it at all. We are not uh, mental health professionals in any way, so any talk here is not to be taken as medical advice. It is purely a safe sharing space for people who are uh, struggling with mental health to talk about that. Uh, and that's all we want to be, and also just a fun podcast. Hopefully there is enough fun here for everyone else to enjoy. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Theme tune, go! It's a MIDI file. 
Well, Jackson, it don't, you don't know why. Doesn't even matter how hard you try. 99% of the things you worry about don't happen. All I know <laughs> is that we're going to oh, get sued. Nice. So I better stop this attitude. Seems will eventually be a memory Thank of a time you. I tried oh. so hard. And got so far. But in the end, welcome I, to the Goof Zone. Welcome. I'm Jackson Tyler. And yeah, you like that? I love that. Podcasters. That was smooth as a baby's butt. Just, I haven't checked, but I'm told they're smooth. You know and what? that's how smooth it is. I, you must, if you how ever get the chance. How many baby's butts have people actually checked the smoothness of? You have to try a baby's butt. Just go up to a baby with consent. Get the mom's okay, consent. Yeah. Get the baby's consent. And just pat that bottom. Uh, if they're crying and clearly yeah, not enjoying yeah. it, give them back to their mother. Or their father, or their legal guardian. I don't mean to... Yeah, don't... Yeah. You gotta be more inclusive. I gotta, I, yeah, you know. I don't mean to uh, just repeat all the structural bullshit I have been taught. You gotta... The goose uh, ain't, ain't that about my life. Yeah, we don't internalize <laughs> oppression anymore. We're gonna work through it. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Uh, and to sing Lincoln Park. Those are the two oh, things. Yeah. I'm here to stop internalizing oppression, and I'm here to sing Lincoln Park. We're I'm... here to dismantle all the bad structures, build up some good new ones, and just, you know, do a little Lincoln Park here and there. Crawl. Ow, ow. I leaned back to sing Crawling in My Skin, and then the headphones wire was not long enough. You know what that was? That was a sign from God. Yeah, I was about to say that's from Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was just about to say that. That's from Jesus. Jesus is telling you to stop. Jesus doesn't like Chester Bennington. He doesn't much. like bad music. Jesus has good taste. Jesus likes Pink Floyd and Radiohead. <laughs> Jesus likes Haim. Yep, Jesus likes Haim. Jesus, Jesus likes, likes that Lana Del Rey. Yep. He loves the new Blur. Oh, what he a loves Lord, the, love he, new Blur. Jesus is so into that Run the Jewels these days. Woo. Have you heard the new Kimber album said Jesus? Uh, Jesus said, uh, yes, yes, I have. Uh, <laughs> we we get them all. I've heard <laughs> the future music, too. That's how it works. I know it all. I know what's going to happen to Ska. I know when the next big Ska <laughs> revival is. i wave Ska, motherfucker. For, for I am the Lord. <laughs> anyway. I've heard 8th wave Ska, for I am the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to intro the podcast again. Uh, we went from smooth as a baby's bottom to just ruined. It much like a baby's bottom does when... Hey-o, hey when it eats too many uh, strained peas. I'm Jackson Tyler. That's Destiny Sturdivant. Uh-huh. Hi. Uh-huh. Hi. 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 Hey. Welcome. This This is episode one. It is. The first episode. The first zone. We're... We're... The, um... What what is what's the word? We're the leaders of, we're the presidents of the goof zone. <laughs> the presidents of the goof zone. Uh, there can be two. Fuck you. Uh yes, co-presidents, mm-hmm. partners, partners in, in presidency, partners and in goof. goof and presidency. Uh, we're gonna t- uh talk about mental health. Yep. We're gonna talk about apparently whatever we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast. It's called the goof zone for a reason. Like yeah. You know what you're getting into when you see that title. We didn't call it anything serious business, even though we knew we'd be talking about really intense, personal, serious topics, because this is what happens when he and I get together. We just joke around, and we riff, and we make each other laugh, and then we start talking about how sad our lives are, and then we make each other laugh again, and we realize, oh, 
life isn't so sad until it's sad again. It's uh, pretty sad. Oh, but we don't. About. Well, one thing I'd, I'd like to clear up: a lot of people like worry when you have another friend that's sad. Like, yeah. When you're sad, that you like feed into each other's sadness. Mm-hmm. Do you think you and I feed into one another's like depression? No, no, not even a little bit. Okay, I worry about it sometimes, but then I feel like all the times I'm usually speaking with you, we laugh a lot. So we laugh all the time when we're not crying. <laughs> but like, it's not like we're crying all the time, though. No, but we're sometimes we have normal levels of discussion. Sometimes we get deep about whatever TV show or bullshit we're talking about. I don't know, we have good conversations, healthy conversations. I think we have a good sense of boundaries. I think so too. Hashtag mental health. Hashtag mental health. Um, what? Why are we doing this, Jackson? Who are we? So, what makes us hi, credible welcome. sources? Imagine if someone has listened to this and hasn't heard one of our ridiculous podcasts before. I assume you're listening to this because you know Jackson and I from other podcasts, and so is he. Uh, yeah, that's my assumption, because we've done a really bad job at introducing ourselves to new people, so if you've managed to make yeah. it through the intro, here is where we're actually gonna talk about what this is in a formal way. Yes. So, a couple of weeks ago, or a month ago now, I don't know, it was a while ago, I came up to Destiny virtually on Skype. <laughs> I was just about to say, how did you do that? Was I in a dream? <laughs> yep, I came up to Destiny in a dream and said, podcast, woo, because I was a ghost in the dream. Uh, and that's you what also I had heard eighth wave ska. <laughs> <laughs> I called you on the phone, and whilst I was on the phone, I said, "Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up." <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for me to pick it up, pick it up, pick, pick it up, up, pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I was trying to say, uh, I wanted to because we had our Badland Girls episode, which was ridiculous and good, but I, I thought we should do a podcast about mental health because it's a conversation we have a lot in real life and it's a big part of both of our lives and we thought getting it public in a formal way is a cool idea what are all your diagnoses oh. di- diagnosis murders <laughs> well <laughs> not murder <laughs> not only is that a bad diagnosis to have on your list uh it's not actually a medical diagnosis oh so in this case it is not murder. Uh, it is not murder, thankfully. Murder was not the case, if you will. No, so uh, I have actually a kind of a story about my diagnosis. Yeah, uh, that is let, to me, say, let me hear it. When I went to get my diagnosis, diagnosis, I am so sorry I infected you with my mispronunciation of diagnoses. Isn't that how you say that? Yeah, that's the actual thing, but I'm also okay. being stupid. We're both sleepy i assume too because it's it's late over there i'm far less sleepy than you despite it That's being true. one o'clock in the morning it's one o'clock in the morning uh what's your time zone i'm blinking out uh bst and then i am central no bdt zone. anyway i was BDSM. trying to say about my diagnoses oh yes please so I, I went there and i got them but because the person who i got my diagnosis from was so crap to be honest uh, I've so I've just had a long line of bad experiences with um, medical mental health stuff. I've had a couple good ones and they've been really good, but uh, when I got my original diagnosis, he just kind of said, "Yeah, you got that. You got that. I guess you got a lot. You just you just pretty fucked up." Anyway, we'll who do diagnosed you? 
some guy at a, like the the local mental health hospital is so bad that it was featured on an expose on a television program about oh like my forced God. electric shock treatment and everything uh which i only <gasps> found out after the fact yeah no i know it's fucked up uh, oh a horror movie had been playing out and it, the place felt like that like i went in and i felt like when i came out of after my first three sessions like i was a different worse person i felt that just because of the atmosphere of the place it's probably not true but man it was uncomfortable all the walls were white it was like a stereotypical when you go into like quote-unquote asylums in movies and you think this seems like a gross portrayal of mental health and then you go into one you're like oh fuck they're real oh god <laughs> oh i'm screwed oh, <laughs> they're never gonna horrible. let me out of here that's awful i'm sorry so what uh when did you get a proper diagnosis uh i got a proper one later that one counted so from there i got a diagnosis for depression and anxiety that were full-on proper diagnoses i had a kinder like half diagnosis for ocd and add but they didn't go into specifics and how they affected me they said well you got you do have obsessional thoughts and you do have attention stuff but uh uh, well, oh the good gosh. diagnosis experience I had was when I got diagnosed with Asperger syndrome. And that person listened; they were good. They said, "This is what you got. This is how." And I was like, "Oh, this is how it's meant to work. They do exist. Hooray!" Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. So, when you got those, because that's a lot of stuff to hear. Yeah. Like, was it all at the same time, or was it spread out over years? Uh, the, how old were you? It was kind of all ago? at the same time. It, it wasn't long ago. It was only a couple years ago. I, I think it was after I met you. Yeah, I want to say. So that's pretty recent. Uh, well, the Asperger's one happened a lot later. Oh, okay. That's the one I remember, but I didn't know. Like, can you give us your story? Do, do you remember when you were a kid thinking, oh, this is, something's up? Uh, that that definitely happened. So when I was going through school, uh, I, I, I don't want to do my entire life story. I just want to give it a bit of an no, intro. No, no, just like, where, how did your symptoms present? Like did and did you notice them? Yeah, I That's totally all. noticed them. I was always weird and odd at school and separated from people and treated like something was wrong with me. But my mum fought against having a diagnosis, so mm. I, like I had a lot of support sometimes in certain cases uh, from certain teachers, like something was uh, like I needed special needs uh, treatment for like Asperger stuff, but. I didn't have a diagnosis until eighteen-ish. Uh, when I got my diagnosis, my rea- reaction was sheer apathy, and every single uh, person I talked to was surprised at that. I think I I remember um, being told about it from mm-hmm. your bestie, and uh, I remember thinking, "Oh, really? That's odd," because like uh, I didn't. At the time, I wasn't aware that, you know, this thing is a spectrum just because one person who lives with autism presents it in a certain way. Other people, not all people with autism, you know, live and present in the same way. So that's why I was sort of surprised. But now I kind of look back on that and it was it's a, a silly way to sort of react to something because if it like it. Like you, it wasn't a big deal for you, so why did it have to be something for other people to comment on, you know? Well, I felt weird because I felt like the fact that it wasn't a big deal for me, uh, I was I was worried I was given the impression that to other people it shouldn't matter. I was like, no, this is a thing. It's real. It's totally a part of me. I don't have to react like it's a big deal. 
but I don't you want did, that. Did me... you feel relieved? Did you feel? Oh, I, oh, I had no feeling to the diagnosis. I had none at all. Like okay. to any of them, I was like, sure. Like I know, I knew I had problems already. Giving a name to them didn't change anything. Okay, because for me it was the opposite. Like, how, when... how did? What did you get diagnosed with? How did this go? Oh. What is your side of the story? My story. Your My story. story. Mm. Um. Well, like. <laughs> D sharp, D sharp. <laughs> Is that what that note was? I don't know notes. I I haven't played an instrument since fourth grade. That's year four for you over there. Is it actually? Did it line up that that accurately? I think so. Like what? Nine years old. Oh, nine years old would be year five. Year five. Oh well, maybe seven. I don't know how old children are anymore. Or maybe it would be year four. I don't know. Why was I talking about fourth grade? Oh, instrumentation. Okay, so I hit puberty. I was like a pretty happy kid. Then I hit puberty and then I stopped being a happy kid. And so that was also around the time all my friends stopped being happy kids too. Mm -hmm. So we all kind of banded together in our gothiness and just milked that for all it was worth. Everything was really performative and melodramatic and um deep down i would just think oh you know this is probably something that everybody feels like everybody you know dislikes the way they look everybody hates waking up in the morning everybody you know thinks about poisoning themselves when they have to go to bed at night because they don't know how to sit alone with their thoughts and I just assumed that was totally normal for I still kind of do that sometimes. Like the the idea that someone could not despise themselves in every way. Like what? What is that? Well, what is that? I assume everybody has insecurities and things that they like look in the mirror and they go ah oh, about. But I don't assume everybody had the same thing I had. Where uh, as an adult, I like I, I know that not everybody wakes oh, I, up. I with know, it. but I can't. It's such a foreign concept to me as a way of being that I can't understand how it exists. That's the thing. So I had this whole narrative running my entire teens, like Mm -hmm. in the back of my mind of just like, things are terrible, they're going to get worse, and it's probably your fault and you have no control over this. And uh, it didn't, it took until like college until I was about, wow, 22, 23 for me to actually like go talk to someone about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it was something that, one, I didn't really know I needed help for um, until I started picking up some really self-destructive behavior. So then it was like, oh, yeah, I should probably stop doing this. Um, so that that happened what did you what, was, what were you diagnosed with what was your oh a uh, generalized anxiety and then depression and they at the time they attributed my depression to uh life transitional stuff so she tried to like normalize it as much as possible like this is just something everyone through their 20s goes through everyone in their 20s goes through and i don't believe that now but that, it was yeah yeah it was just a weird I think she was just trying to make me feel better. I I've I've been to enough. I've had enough therapy, uh, where like like that, that I can kind of. That a lot of what people say annoys me. <laughs> well, like, it wasn't necessarily annoying because I didn't think anything of it at the time because I was like, well, yeah, it's a transitional thing because everybody's you know they're mm-hmm. coming out of this 
naive childhood to see that like adulthood is actually way uh it's when everything uh sort of like you learn everything you thought was true isn't true and you learn that like you have to take care of yourselves in in ways that you never did before and it's just really overwhelming and you don't worry about you know boogeyman under your bed now you're worried about money and whether or not anyone will sleep with you or whether or not you'll get good uh jobs and and that doesn't stop until you die and so oh god i figured (laughs) sorry i forgot you were 21 and so (laughs) so like you know i just took it at face value i was like okay so this will just pass once i get into more adult positions in my life which sounds very sexual adult positions get into adult positions so uh when you tried missionary what did you think yeah yeah it i yawned i've never done missionary i feel good it's one of You're my amazing I, I think i'm just gonna keep that achievement so i can yeah. die saying had a lot of sex <laughs> never did a missionary that's my goal gold star kinkster that's my life goals I really think this is this is good. I'm I'm glad you're forming goals. This is a good therapy. You're gonna drive around with a bumper sticker saying "Never done missionary." I'm so jealous. <laughs> um. Anyway, it wasn't for lack of trying. It just seemed so pointless. Oh no! I think that's the best way to think about it. Because it's like when you're young, you're like, "Wait, we don't have to do this. We could just go straight to the more exciting stuff." Well, there was no rules. The more exciting stuff. It was like this isn't easy. It isn't good. Why? Who? Why did straight people decide this was the one? This was the the haps. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, no, no, it doesn't. I mean, I guess it seems. You know what? It's kind of a. This is gonna sound. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it depends on our audience. Don't you think it's kind of a patriarchal position? I mean, it super is. I mean, even its name. Hmm. I don't know, but yeah. So anyway, uh. Where was I? Missionary position. <laughs> but before that... <laughs> I'm bored with your sex life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just like... So I assumed, you know, okay, it's totally natural to be depressed about those things because they mm-hmm. are depressing. But then I realized the the thing I said that spooked you. Oh, this just doesn't stop. I'm always going to feel like this. Then what's the point of anything? Mm-hmm. And then it got even worse. And then my mother died. And it was horrible because she was... Uh, really well she was we were close like really close we watched movies together we had the same sense of humor we, we could just hang out but we also had this dynamic where since I had a disability and I was her oldest child you know I was kind of uh, overly cloistered by her she was very overprotective and so when she died I felt like, oh, I, you know, I, I, I have yet to learn certain skills, and now I'll never learn them. And also, having to, I had to learn that this person that you know came at me with most love, the most loving intent, the intent of a mother who loves their child, still sent mixed messages about whether or not they actually did love me, but like totally unintentionally, you know. Mm-hmm. So that messes with your head, and then of course just the trauma of someone who's there all the time not being there anymore mm-hmm. uh so you know it's i'm 25 she dies two weeks after my birthday and she comes home from work uh, at five every day and then five o'clock comes around you know the week after she's gone 
and you're like expectant mm-hmm. or you'll hear about a movie and you're like, like oh they're remaking friday the 13th i better call them. her yeah and then it's like well i can't and so that messes with you so then i just stopped sleeping and so everything just kind of the general diagnosis just kind of went to 11 for lack of a better analogy mm-hmm. but anyway that's uh that's why we're doing this podcast. We're going to talk about stuff. Oh, and I, I'm in therapy and antidepressants are a thing that I do daily. So, you know, yeah, that's, that helps. But it's not all it's not all roses. It's not all honey and sausages. Okay. I wouldn't put those two together. Well, I, I wouldn't because I'm vegan and because they're gross. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a situation in which honey and sausages would go together, but I can't. They're not. They're not good. Just foods. in my dumb story. Uh, now, now that we're all bummed out about everything, I'm not. I'm okay. You good? You good? I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. down. I was like, oh, I didn't realize this depression podcast was going to be sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I didn't plan you, for this. You need to take a break. Are you no, all right? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> 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 Bye.
uh, I tell you how the mental health situation is over here in terms of healthcare, and you are not impressed. It, it was always sort of pitched to me as a superior health system, but it sounds like it's got its own uh, downfalls. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised. No system's perfect, but... Well, they're dismantling it, kind of. Well, yeah, like it, it's being dismantled, and also... The mental health stuff is going first. And also, it's like, the complication of being unemployed and needing mental health treatment has made it even harder because there's, like, a dehumanization process going on politically. And I mean, it happens here, but it's, like, at least, you know, like, at my school I had, like, my first therapist was just a counselor I saw at school for free because they offered that. Mm-hmm. And, like, do they have that over there for... I, I had a... I saw a... I saw a counselor at university for six sessions because that's all you get. Okay, I did that too. I will say like that, that that's what they do they have limited sessions but they did they refer you to someone in the community after that they did i got referred to a cbt thing but the the counseling thing i found super unhelpful because it just felt like they weren't listening to me and were just sparing out the same your as your problems are similar to all the other students problems and i'm like they're really not i'm kind of you guys please listen to me and that's got to be frustrating when you feel like you're not being heard mm-hmm. it's it's really frustrating and that's i that's kind of what all therapy is to me because it's me trying to say something with while i'm talking to someone who's trying to explain why i'm wrong uh and it, that's, that's why i struggle with therapy or have done in the past i've had good experiences but they're rare but you know a therapist they're not there to tell you you're wrong they're there to you know encourage you to look at your thinking patterns and pick out the healthy ones and reinforce them Yep, those aren't the therapists I've had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes me sad. Uh, I like the one, I, the counselor at uni. Uh, it's just I, I like we spent the whole. She just said like her advice to here's how to not be lonely anymore. Uh, just talk to random people. Just start up conversations with people. It's really easy. Just talk to them. I might. Like, Why was it a problem? What do you mean? I'm not asking to be a troll. I just mean like. Because I, like, I, it... I come in and say, I have social anxiety. I can't, I, I shut down. I don't have any friends. Right, I don't exactly. Get well, people. I'm, I'm saying that because you didn't give the listeners context. Like, oh, okay. Because I could, like, if somebody told me to do that, I could do it. But, like, you can't because you have social anxiety. My anxiety is, I mean, I have a social anxiety, but we'll talk about social anxiety and extroversion mm-hmm. probably. We'll probably do an introvert-extrovert in discussion at some point. Yeah, it's um, maybe not this episode, nope. but it'll come up because I think that extroverts have social can have social anxiety, clearly, but it, it it's just like I have no problem talking to strangers, whereas, yeah, you couldn't just go up to somebody and talk to them if your first instinct around a person is to shut down. I can't talk to anyone. I'm bad at it. Uh, if I don't know them, I like when you go through school and like, cause I used to be super open and like the most open person and the most trusting person possible. I, but that just meant I got hurt repeatedly through school. Uh, so I just learned that uh, interacting with people is a prelude to them, uh, hurting you. And so that made me real cautious. Uh, so uh, so it's it turned into this like sort of gut reaction thing yeah because i was bullied at school a lot can uh, you logic yourself out of it sometimes 
Because, like, no, you have a lot of internet it, friends. So, yeah, like, does like, that can, transfer? Can, or is a, it because... I've got way better at the way I, I like talking naturally to people. But it hasn't led to anything more than, like, being able to hold my own in a conversation better. Like, it doesn't lead to actually forming proper connections with people. It just need, leads to people ignoring me rather than insulting me. Mm. Well, yeah, that can definitely be frustrating. I think that once you get out of high school, if you don't work or go into college or like keep your old school friends, it's really hard to make friends. Yep, and that's the situation like, I'm in now. Yeah, cuz I I mean I even even I've had periods of friendlessness. Mm-hmm. But like I don't know, it's just different when you know you're going to be in a place with lots of people, so you kind of just form relationships by default. But you you don't. Like, I don't understand that. It's never been the case. Well, I mean, me. like, it, I they get... don't just fall into your lap. You talk to people, and then you realize, oh, these are people that I can... Sure, but I've never, I've, like, I've never had that experience. The idea of going to a place where there's lots of people and then just having friends after a certain amount of time is foreign to me. Well, and... how did you become friends with the friends group that you had? Uh, it was one specific place, and it was through my sister. It was because I had someone to fight my corner. It was a musical theater so group. So it, was it a struggle? Like, I guess I don't understand how... I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just trying to get the timeline. So you had... You joined a theater group. Yep. Correct? And your sister was in it with you. Yep. So... You did talk to people when she was there, like she made it safer. Yeah, well, like you, uh, my sister was popular, so they didn't pick on me or exclude me because I'm a vet's sister. So I'm a vet's brother. So they, like, I had suddenly I had like some status status in a group, and I'd always been bottom before. Well, and you said she had to fight in your corner. Did like she actually have to get in people's faces? Yep, she'd and... stick. She'd stick up for me. Okay, so you got picked on within that group. Yeah, like at, at the at start, I always do. I always did. I still do. I, I don't know why. Mm, well, people are monsters. Um, yeah, I don't like. Oh, man, I don't. I don't know. It's. I I think that. Just, it is one of those things where you kind of have to go in hoping it'll work out differently than all the other times. And um, I'm going to uni this uh, September, and I'm going in with that attitude, but, like, it, it messes me up to think that for most people, if they go to a place with lots of people, that they, like, can have some certainty that they will just make friends. Like, the idea that that can just happen is so foreign to me that it's, like, a trigger to think that for some people it's just a thing. I guess it's just the assumption that eventually, if you sit there long enough, somebody will turn to you and just say, hey, and then you'll say, hey, and then they'll do something funny and you'll laugh and you'll do something funny and they'll laugh. And the next thing you know, that's your friend. People make it sound so easy. I know. And it's not easy. I don't mean to presume that it's easy, but I hope you uh, have a good September when that all opens up. I'm hoping. <laughs> Very exciting. Hopefully, I don't just get... If I keep getting bullied, I'm going to get more pissed off with all the people that told me it was because people were young. I don't think... I mean, hmm. I'm trying to remember college, and most of the people... Like, there were jerks 
But if they didn't like you, they wouldn't say it to your face. They would just talk about you to their friends after class. Like, it wasn't like, let's pick on them now. Like, it wasn't like high school where people would just throw things at people in the hall or pick fights with people for no reason. Sure. So I'm hoping that... But I, I feel like the the first one still... Like, I've been in situations where, like, not even me, but where they, there's been this targeted thing. I, I would call it bullying, but it's never come to the person's face. Like, as soon as someone leaves the room, everyone will just rip on this person, and then they can feel it in the atmosphere when they come back. Oh, yeah, that exists, and too. That, I, I run into that a lot. I ran into that a lot in my first college, uh, and I've seen it happen to other people a lot, and I that still counts. Like, people get more... Uh, like less direct about the ways they hurt. Oh people, yeah, but they still go about hurting people. Thing. And I'm not saying like, oh, that that makes it okay. I'm just saying like, I think that's why people say, oh, it's because they were kids. Because kids are usually more direct, and adults aren't. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember at school, I I uh, like fought a lot against the idea that bullying was a direct. Thing. Like our school had prided itself on how little bullying it had. Uh, because they took a survey, and the only person in my class that said there was bullying was me. So, good job. <laughs> oh, it's weird. Well, I found it, like, really funny. They're like, okay, we're going to ask everyone you... if there's bullying. Oh, the pers- the one person being bullied says there is. Are you like, sure it was just you, though? There c- it couldn't have been just you. In the survey, I was the only one that said yes. In my class. Oh, because they revealed the results. Yep. Well, they said there was only one. They said, they said, we're... The- they said it. I had an announcement and said only one person said yes. I was like, well, I know I said yes, so. <laughs> mm. Hmm. Yeah. That is weird. I went I to just, a bad school. I guess that's what it all comes down to as well. Because like that just, I, I mean, I've been in a lot of schools and it's just never that. I don't know. And and I guess I shouldn't assume everybody had my experience where there was always more than one person dealing with these problems. Well, this was just my class. Oh, okay. It was only 30 people. Mm. Oh, no wonder it was small. Uh, I mean, 30 is big, but I don't know. That's weird. I'm sorry. We should move on. We should move on to the next thing. Destiny, how was your week? My week was pretty weird. Yo, how was, um, what's happening? What's going on with your week? What's going on? My, my week, uh, well, I, um, I guess I'll talk about, oh, I'll talk about how I started my week. I had therapy on Monday and we talked about some of my worries. I've had a lot of worries about my health. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've mild cerebral palsy and I don't sleep a lot and I don't eat very well because I work this job that just, it's not even like a physically taxing job. I literally sit in front of a computer and type things. And it, it's stressful, but it's not the worst. I'm glad I have it. I wouldn't quit it or anything. Uh, but, like, I get home and I'm super tired. And then, so I just eat, like, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And then I started getting these headaches. And then, like, for months I've been having this thing where when I walk, it, my feet hurt. So I go to my therapist and I'm like, I have all these issues. And I'm, like, horrified because I already have this anxiety about getting sick, how my mom got sick getting cancer and dying and Mm. I have this like recurring thought in my head that like anytime I have a pain or a discomfort it's like oh this is the beginning of the end and I hate it so I was talking to her about it and she was just sort of like 
I don't even know what she said to me because I have a really bad memory, but essentially it came down to just trying to get myself doing things that made me feel healthier, even when I feel really drained. Um, but she talked about this thing of like thinking of your, I don't even know if she said your mind or your day, but she was just like, think of it as a bank and there are things that just withdraw from that bank. So it's like work, that's a withdrawal. Um, having to deal with crappy family members at home, that's going to withdraw from your bank. Uh, but when you eat dinner, that's a deposit. And when you, you know, go to the doctor when you have a weird thing, that's a deposit. And so I was thinking about that a lot this week. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm still not quite at the point where I feel like I'm actually taking care of my body, but I'm trying to listen to it more because I know that like, it's a, it becomes self-perpetuating when you're worried about yourself physically and it taxes on you mentally. So then the mental thing leads you to hurt yourself physically even more. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to slow that down and actually like I'm still kind of making baby steps towards that I get you I don't know it's I have similar things with my body like I'm bad at taking care of myself uh, it's hard to find the motivation to actually take care of yourself it's really difficult I don't know if pe- I'm not the British people understand how hard that is is yours like a thing where you just don't see the point or is it like mine where it's like you're too tired and you'd rather just like do something distracting sometimes I, I do get the big active i don't see the point of anything but often it's just i can't right now i can't do anything right now i have a lot of the thing where i'm so invested in something else that i just kind of it's not that i forget but i'm like i'll just you know what i'll eat after i you know have this conversation with so and so and then i realize hours later after i've been talking to this person for hours oh i I didn't eat dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I meant to, but oh well, I'll just eat it tomorrow. I, I get that as well. Like yeah. I've I've set out to do this thing. It doesn't matter that I didn't shower and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, oh yeah, I've gone. You know, I've done the whole like I'm just not gonna shower because I don't have time because I slept in because I have trouble sleeping. Yep, I have trouble sleeping. I'm so worried and about then, and then I have yeah. trouble waking because yep. why get out of bed? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Or and like, like maintaining oh, any kind of the like. I don't. For some people, it's easy, but for me, it's like really difficult to maintain a fully autonomous and successful and helpful uh, eating schedule and eating well. It's impossible for me because partially because I don't have control of my own situation. Uh, I live with my uh, mother and my sister, and. I don't really get to decide what I eat. Uh, I know you. I've talked to you about this, but uh, uh-huh. like when the family meal is cooked, that's when you eat, and that's what you eat. Even though I am often on a very different sleep schedule to everyone else, even though that means I have to <clears throat> like not eat at certain other times, and I just want like my own control of my own. Like I'm depressed. I need control. I need control. Uh, well, even though, okay. My mum thinks she's really helping me by being really stringent about the stuff. So no, this is there for you. This is to help you. This will get you, make you get better. But all it does is make this other thing that I can't break out of. 
Are you eating three meals a day? Uh, sometimes. Usually it's two. Okay. Yeah, I'm at a two. It's like a tiny lunch, tiny dinner situation, which is really slowing down my metabolism. And I gained 15 pounds very slowly, but I did. And now it's like part of why I'm having so many foot problems. And that's really mm-hmm. not fun. Um, Why did I bring that up? Oh, but just like, yeah, not like, okay, so yeah, you live at home. But it's like you're home more than anyone there. Mm-hmm. So you think you could just eat whenever you wanted, but it's a little more strict. Yeah. Also, that more ties into the idea of when you're depressed, needing to carve out your, like, the obligations you do have, even though they're there to help you, become these other, like, things you can't escape. Because you latch on, you need these mental, or I'd say you, I need these, like, mental routines and knowing how things are going to go. I need a certainty and a structure. And when the structure is decided for me and doesn't actually match up with what I really need, it makes things very complicated for me. That that is uh that makes a lot of sense. That makes yeah. a whole lot of sense. I think so. Because there's a mismatch of um priorities and expectations. So of course you're not going to feel good about it. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to have some input. Yeah. Like cuz what do you do with your uh current eating schedule and health like keeping well, yourself up? How, what are your tactics? How do you do? It's, it's it all on me. Because, you know, nobody's really checking up on me. It's not like when I'm a kid and my mom's like, oh, you didn't have a very good lunch, so I made you a uh, spaghetti because I saw that you only had that Pop-Tart, you know? Or somebody coming up to me and going, did you eat? Like, that doesn't happen. So it's, you know, I, 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 I buy my own groceries even though I live with my grandmother and my sister. Well, I, actually, I don't live with... My sisters don't live here. I have two younger sisters. They've both moved out, but one of them is kind of hanging around because she's giving me a nephew <laughs> have this nephew there. she's giving it to me I bequeath unto you a nephew ein nephew <laughs> ich bin ein nephew <laughs> that's weird that's, that's gonna be our first t-shirt ich bin ein nephew ich bin ein nephew <laughs> um, but yeah so like my grandma doesn't really cook for herself She she just eats uh, whatever, like she'll eat. She pretty much she has a billion children, so they just bring her salads from here to the, time to time. And then, like, I'm a vegan, so that's why I buy my own groceries because that was like one of my conditions of veganism was I didn't want anybody else to have to pay for my weird fake meats mm-hmm. and my vegetables that nobody eats but me, <laughs> <laughs> or and my special milkless cheap bread. Uh, so anyway, please join. Uh- my electro pop band milkless bread <laughs> i feel like when i was in school it was way easier because there was a cafeteria right there and i had tons of free time so like if i was studying in between classes it's like oh, i'll just pick up a pizza or i'll just pick up uh, some fries and a veggie burger and and then like when i what was I trying to say? I was walking around a lot, so the weight thing wasn't such an issue. And then, like, I came home when my mom was alive. She would always, like, help out. Like, oh, I made you some quinoa. So then all I had to do was, you know, put put a protein on it. So when I, uh, kind of, when it all fell on to me to do all that stuff for myself, I just can't muster up the energy. It's not even that I want somebody else to cook for me. 
I just because uh, I feel like that would make me feel really bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like if my grandma was suddenly like, "I'm just making your dinners now," I'd feel really crappy. Yeah, you don't. You yeah. like as I said, you don't actually want to rely on someone else's structure. You need no. space to form your own. But at the same time, I'm totally free to make my own structure. Nobody's telling me, "Oh, don't eat that." Oh, you can well, only eat at this time. I'm just not. I I don't have energy. I feel like I feel I, like I'm, this also speaks to the difficulty everyone has, which is the impossibility of finding and sustaining a mentally healthy life with uh nine to five corporate employment yeah um and also like i don't know it's weird because i i have co-workers that make these like huge healthy lunches like there's this lady that i sit across from sometimes and she's on weight watchers and she brings in like these delicious salads and fancy sandwiches that she just makes on her own and she always sneers at my frozen enchiladas Does and she my sneer? ramen. Does she literally sneer? Yeah, she'll go, that's a lot of sodium or she'll like <laughs> say like, oh, don't you ever cook? And I'm just like, I'm just so tired. One time you need to just I'm go so to her tired. and look at her and just go... <sighs> Right. And she, but the thing is, I say I'm tired, but this woman, she's got a million kids and a million pets and a husband and she still manages to make these foods, so I can't really I feel weird using that as an excuse. Like she's got to be more tired than me, right? She's working the same job. She's got way more responsibilities, way more things to worry about, way more people to take care of and worry about than me. That's not entirely fair. Like that's putting all of the blame on you must be wrong rather than uh giving your situation any respect like that's well, looking for some like... i understand oh, what you're on. saying but uh i don't think i'm wrong i just think that like i if if she can find the energy then definitely can't i but it doesn't motivate me that's the one thing like logically i know that like no, well, if she can it... muster it up i could muster it up it but... gives you a reason to blame yourself it doesn't actually motivate you Good point. Yeah, that's exactly what, what I'm is. saying. Like, and that's like the big. There's a word for this, but the, the gist of everything kind of feels like we find ways to blame ourselves for stuff. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's like to me the it's the reason you shouldn't fat shame people, but the reason people do it is it's to motivate you. Like, no, it gives more people. No, like, when people I, insult my like my mom does it all the time. She's like, "Oh, you're putting on weight, Jackson." I'm like, "Well, that doesn't actually make me want to." lose it it just makes me want to go eat something and feel sad yeah it doesn't actually and i don't know i think anybody who says they're doing it for their own good uh they have their own issues with that sort of a thing and they're projecting a lot i i just feel like if you ever if if you ever have someone's best interests if you're like trying to help someone actually being like supportive uh, well, even if you think the thing they're doing is currently harmful and you think they should change that, just straight up saying that is a bad way to approach it. Like, my mum's a teacher and she teaches super young kids uh, and she works with special needs um, children. She works with autistic children. That's why I knew a lot about autism and Asperger's syndrome beforehand. Uh, mm-hmm. So I had all that content. Like, my mum said, you could probably get a diagnosis to me at like 15. Like Oh, Okay. I, we had that conversation and I knew that stuff before all the diagnosis went and happened. Uh, That's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, but like when she goes on a lot about how some teachers don't realize that when sometimes when a child is like 
punching another child, if they're really young, they're not doing it to hurt the other child. They're doing it to get the reaction that they want. Like, it's a form of communication. And right. you don't yell at them for doing the thing because that doesn't actually communicate anything about why what they're doing is wrong or support them in any way. And I think that base lesson about how to teach children says a lot about actual human reaction, like relations and communication. You should well, interact in a way to get across or like to have the effect you want in an empathetic way. Oh, I completely agree. But then it's like, if you think about it from the point of view of someone who, you know, hates this thing about themselves, mm-hmm. and they get frustrated with themselves, and that's kind of where I get into the whole projection yeah, thing. Because it's like, if, you know, my grandma's weird about food, and then she sees me gaining weight, she's like, well, I don't want her to end up like me, so she'll make little passive-aggressive remarks about my weight. Yep. And if I don't react, she's like, disturbed she's like well you should react and so she'll start talking about diabetes and um pain as if people don't live with those things and have perfectly happy long lives and or like that they're horrible things to be and i'm not saying like oh i you know won't care if about my like i'm totally preoccupied with my health but it's um not a motivator and it's it comes out of a frustration i think so i'm i try to be empathetic on the other end too but it's not like it's one of those things i just kind of have to shrug it off because i know it if i listen to her it'll just make things worse Mm -hmm. yeah i get really annoyed with uh um people giving like well-intentioned advice because it's usually more about them than it is about you. We just talked about um, off the mic, like about how sometimes people will say things to you, like, "Oh, but before I got my antidepressants, people would say to me, like, oh, well, once you get on antidepressants, you won't think blank.' Ooh, and it's like, like you'll say a th- you'll say a thing like, "Hey, uh, I'm feeling like this, and this is me at the moment. This is how I feel about this thing," and they'll say, "Well, yeah, well, you won't feel that later. It'll be okay." And they're trying to reassure you and help you, but what they're really doing is, or what you internalize is, uh, the way you are now is wrong, and I am not okay with that. Also, um, it's dismissive. It's like, oh, what, you now, you don't count. Yeah. The version of you that doesn't exist yet, that's the one that counts. Just saying, how am I supposed to feel now? Yeah, like, (laughs) I'm still me. I have illnesses and mental health struggles, but that there's no reason that doesn't make me and my viewpoints less valid. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, like everything you do and the kind of person you are, even like outside of mental health, that affects your viewpoint on the world. Like I'm a black woman that affects how I view things. Mm-hmm. If every time I said something, somebody said to me, well, you only think that because you're black. If you weren't black, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that. It's like, Oh, I can't not be black, so stop trying to take that away, <laughs> you know? Don't mm. discount my feelings just because they don't fit yours. We all have different viewpoints on how things go. Now, if you were actually, like, saying something destructive, like, there's no point to me being alive, that's when you have the, like, sort of real talk tell the person, you know, that that isn't a true thing. Yeah.
oh, did you, a uh, fact about me, you don't know this about me because I, I've never been in the same room. Uh, uh, I, uh, people, I was famous in that musical theatre group for giving, like, two strong high fives on accident. I give firm high fives. Oh, you're a painful high fiver. Yeah, I go into it and then it goes bad sometimes. Sometimes you get really good, you get the crisp sound. You don't hurt nobody, though. No, no, it's it, I'm I'm alright. <laughs> I'm fine. You're too on, on um on Tuesday, I was with the one person I still know from that group, and we high fived. It was one of the best high fives I've ever had. I'm Just proud of you. Sound perfect, feeling perfect. No one was hurt. It was satisfying. Did you get that little burn after? No, a little no friction burn. burn. Then it was no friction good. burn. No nothing. It was oh. You don't really stop to appreciate. <laughs> hey, it's about the little things, all right? That was such a good high five. And I just had to take a moment. Just take a mo. I remember we say said afterwards that the thing that we had high-fived about, it was a sign that it was a good idea and it was real. Fucking no idea what we were talking about now. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm really glad you have someone to high-five, though, if that's, like, the thing you do... Oh, that's the saddest sentence. What? You said you didn't have anyone, and then now you're talking... Why is that sad? I can only read that in a sad way. Like, I guess I do have someone to high-five. That's what my life's come to. But... I have a person I can high-five sometimes. There's nothing sad about being grateful. (laughs) I know. Okay. But... That's depression. Oh, it's I know. Like that's how you read. I know the situation. I, I, I guess my like that's funny because like one of the first therapy exercises I had to learn, or that mm-hmm. they forced on me, I guess, is making gratitude lists and not judging things that I thought about myself. I can only judge them. I can only I can only see the things I'm grateful for, in and like compare them to the things that either other people have. Or the, like, I, I can't not see them in depressing ways because I'm depressed. My therapist was told by her therapist that comparison is the thief of joy. Then we should stop living in a society that frames everything as a competition. Capitalism is. The oh, I know, but well, yeah, but I mean, like, you can still actively work to not compare yourself to other people. It's really hard. I'll get there one day, hopefully. I'm not saying it's easy. I had to go to therapy. <laughs> but also it's like, you know, like, um, for instance, just like, there are certain people that you know you don't want to be like. So why do we sit around going, oh, you know, we don't have a lot of people that are actually jerks. Uh, have. I don't understand. I mean, I do understand that viewpoint. I understand why it's the end goal, but I'm still in the, but they're jerks. And they get to be happy. I don't understand the world. Like that's the only way I can internalize. I feel like we're getting really close to a debate. No, because we're, we're talking about you saying like I understand why my view is just a depression person view. But like, also, does that mean I'm dismissing you? Like we were talking about in the first segment. Like, am I saying your opinion's invalid? Because I don't feel like I am. No, I think the wording is... I don't know. We just haven't... It's fine. Because I I feel like it's not that... Okay, objectively, there are people that have more than us. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't mean we're 
bad people or lesser than. I guess that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's true. So yeah, you'll feel that burn. You'll feel that oh, they get to be happy and I don't. Well, I I specifically only get that feeling for like people who've bullied me. Mm-hmm. Like that's a thing but... of like people who were younger who it's growing up and realizing that the people who were jerks to you were happier people or get to be happier people because they were jerks to you and that's a really hard do you think that's true that they're not like they're direct like what they did to you makes them happy they're like directly thinking oh that time i was a jerk to jackson was a great thing but like they were a jerk. I won a million dollars. Yeah. I punched Jackson and I got a million no, it's dollars. Like, they were a jerk to me, so they fit in. So, like, that, they just, they did society right at high school and came out better for it. And society right in my high school was you were shitty to me. Like, and you probably feel guilty about that getting over it, but this is why I struggle to have sympathy for people saying, like, oh, um, I hurt this person a lot when I was younger. And how do I get over that? Because I was always the person being hurt. So I, I know that I bet there's a bunch of people who hurt me that are thinking that, but it's really hard for me to get to because like, I st- can't. Well, you're you. You were the one that went through yeah, it. But it's also like I can't. People always get on at me to like uh, let my pain go or whatever, and I feel like I have. I'm still feeling every feeling I've ever felt, and that's really stressful. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. You gotta find a way to. Uh take those things and lock them up or throw them into a river uh, uh that's that's something for you my, my actual technique is like writing i wrote a you write a lot i wrote a lot um and i'm probably gonna start on this website doing like actual personal writing because i put that into games writing before and i will keep doing that but i'm just gonna have straight up here is the essay about my thoughts and process and where i am because like, i think that'll be super healthy um but i mean like i wrote a script recently it's not great. It's fine. It's a first draft. It's finished. Like it is a complete. I read thing. some of it today. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I I realized I had not finished it, and I meant to finish it faster. So I read a lot of it during my lunch break today. High five. Uh, I'd said that like. That's a painful high five. <laughs> it was only. I wasn't looking at your elbow, so I probably missed. It was only painful because I feel like I said high five like Borat. By accident. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Just coming in like, oh, it's 2015. Have you heard this new meme? My wife. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's one of those things that people would say as a joke last year, like on different comedy podcasts that I would listen to, and it became funny again, <laughs> and then <it> became <laughs> unfunny. Like the. Yeah, like it goes in loops. Like five years' like, time, my wife will be like, oh, it'll be on its second irony wave. Yeah, that's what it is. It's an irony thing. Like, we're using this to be ironic because we know it's a bad joke and it's funny because it's a bad joke. And then they just started using it as a real joke. <laughs> and what happened? The Everything broke. Yeah. Uh, what was I saying? I was talking about something. You were talking about your inability. Oh, I was talking about your... writing. I was like, and this. this... Oh, we're le- letting things go through like, art. Yeah, like putting it into the. Like putting those feelings into ridiculous like story stuff. Like the thing I wrote with the ridiculous sci-fi thing, but I put a lot of myself into it. Not in a way that I say that makes the art good, but just the process of doing it becomes helpful. Well, yeah, catharsis. Catharsis. That's the thing. And maybe I'm I, maybe this is just me. I don't know if you do this, but like sometimes I can put it into writing or something else, a comedy sketch. 
and then I can detach myself from my actual stress about it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, well, okay, like, I do stand-up comedy. And my first okay, yeah. jokes were all about my mother being dead. Those were all of my jokes. And then I did a lot of jokes about race because I was always angry at these white comics getting mad at me for talking about race when all they did was talk about their white penises and all their humor. And I do a lot of vaginal humor with Badland girls because we're usually the only women in the uh, lineup on these shows. And uh, it makes people uncomfortable, but it also makes them laugh. So, like, being direct about the things that stress me out actually help my, like, well, one, it helps my comedy, but then I kind of get to, I'm a little closer to being over it in my personal life. Like, I don't get so angry about the dudes because I know I can just tear them down in comedy. And my mom dying hurts a little less because I have all these dumb jokes about it. Still hurts, but, you know. I, I can kind of detach I feel like I, the things I'm insecure about. Sorry, I'm interrupting <laughs> no, you. That's fine. I, uh, I feel like I do that for big things or for impersonal things. Like, I do that for specific things. Like, uh, that's my coping mechanism for the fact that we're in this terrible government now in the UK. Uh, oh, yeah. I was, you can't do it with everything. I, 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 I was worried admit. that I was going to be unable to like go to university because I would be terrible. Like, the Tories' policies were so bad that they're basically saying if the the poor and the mentally ill should be killed and should be allowed to die because that has that has actually happened. There was a report about how many poor mentally ill people have been killed by the cuts to the support service, and it's in the thousands. They, like people are dying. People just like me. Just hey, they're poor. They're mentally ill. They couldn't support themselves, and they died. And there are thousands of them. So everybody who voted for that is saying directly that they want me to die, and that's the only way I could read that. Uh, so my way of like coping with that is detaching myself and making jokes about David Cameron and whatever. But my way of dealing with more internalized just feelings of like bitterness or loneliness. That stuff's way harder to detach myself from, and I feel like it's I'm way too deep, and I'm trying to keep up above in my head. And stop, <laughs> stop those pop punk lyrics right now! Instead this of... is a Lincoln Park podcast. This is a rap rock podcast, not a pop punk. What podcast. I'm saying is, I feel Actually, too much, and I haven't become too numb. Uh, that that that's more like it, son. That's more like it. <laughs> I'm sorry anyway. for what I've done. <laughs> That's gross. We should stop with the lyrics and get... Oh! You're lucky I can't I remember any more than compart lyrics. I'm really happy because this is my December. I'm not going to do any more. I'm breaking the habit. Oh, I hate <laughs> us. Oh, so... <laughs> I, I wanted to say yeah. before you got really Linkin Park and... Um, what was that other band? Uh, what was the Pop 41. Some forty-one, all killer, no filler all killer, no. about it. All killer, no filler about it. That, um, yeah, taking actually some of the stuff I internalize and making it, making my embarrassments public mm. and being able to control how they're taken by others is a big boost to me mentally. So comedy helped a ton. Because mm. uh, I don't necessarily, I don't really write anymore. I journal still off and on that was the thing i was re- that really helped me growing up journaling 
Um, but not so much, it's not that it doesn't help, it's just now I don't really do it as much. It's going back to that whole, I know this would help me, but I feel like I have other things I need to do kind of things happening. Yeah. It's, we're, we're still dealing with it. We're still working in the middle of it. Oh yeah, that's what this is for. It's for working things out and hoping that the people that are listening, uh, feel like they're not so alone themselves if they're feeling the same way. Like, I'm getting super insecure now because I feel like we've, I've come across as way too in it to tell anyone any advice, but I'm trying to just be open about my own stuff, and hopefully that'll help That's other people. And, I mean, we're all in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Depression is bad. I, I don't advise having it. This is my... You must get away from it as fast as you can. I ha- if, if it comes near you, just Sell, run. sell, sell. Uh, <laughs> a, B, C. Always be selling. <laughs> <laughs> Always be sells. Always be sells. Because <laughs> life is a prison. It is not, no longer, it is no longer a highway. Well, <laughs> the world is a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What if the entire speech from Alec Baldwin in Glenn Glary Glen Ross was uh, delivered in the world is a vampire voice? That'd be amazing. Always be closing. <laughs> What is Billy Corgan up to? Second prize, second state in ass. <laughs> oh, Billy silly. Corgan, I don't know. What, what is he up to? He's watching vampire I don't know, movies? I just feel like he's doing silly things. I, don't, I haven't really looked him up lately. Somebody write in and tell us what Billy Corgan's doing. Billy Corgan, let us know. Hey, Billy, if you're out there, we're thinking of you. Uh, maybe he's like a farmer and he's literally smashing pumpkins and he like was doing that but only halfway through doing that did he realize and then he went huh and carried (laughs) and carried on with his life that's i hope he did have that i hope he is a farmer (laughs) it'd be nice Uh, but uh, i all our plan for the beginning of this segment was i'm gonna talk about how my week went we didn't we just talked about stuff this has been a loose intro episode well, yeah, my therapy experience, that was just Monday. <laughs> Nothing else happened, I guess. I was mad at people at work today, but I feel like eh, we can talk about it in another we, episode. We have an Evernote thing where I just write down, and you write down things that uh, we were thinking about, or things that happened, and then we might bring them up. Like, it's no obligation, but we have a bunch of them in this Evernote document. I wrote down things like, McDonald's line frustration. <laughs> <laughs> what did I write? Oh, dreams about my mother. I keep having dreams about my dead mom, you guys. In which she comes back from the dead, but not in a ghosty way, just in a I was on vacation and now I'm back kind of way. Like she's got a new hat or a new hairstyle and we're all mad because we're like, you've been gone for five yeah, years. Yeah, but I got this hat. Like, yeah, it's cute, right? I got you all bracelets. <laughs> like, you guys, I got these bracelets. Like, oh, okay, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and then you wake up and you're like, oh, man. Oh man, <laughs> I was with her and now I'm not. Dreams are sad and hard. Not all of them are. Most of mine are pretty neutral, to be honest. But every like this week has been real uh, mom heavy, dream wise. Mm-hmm. To swerve away from uh, real dreams, the subconscious, and talk. I just wanted to share the anecdote about my dream on Christmas Eve. 
when I was six years old. Do tell. I dreamt that I had. I really wanted a bike for some reason, and I dreamt that I had a bike. And I got the bike in the dream. I drove it around. It was the best thing. It was the best day of my life, basically. And I left it downstairs in the hallway and went to bed. And then I woke up the next morning, certain in my mind that I had a bike downstairs. Oh, no. Ran downstairs and was like, <gasps> went into my mum's room and said, someone stole my bike. Oh, no. <laughs> and she was very good. No, it's fine. Uh, I got a bike eventually, like a few years later. We were too poor for a bike. We honestly still are. Uh, we don't have very much money. We are devaluing mm. our street by living here. Uh, that's how poor we are. So I feel good about that. because That's kind of badass. Yeah, though. I feel good about that because we live in a neighborhood full of just posh, terrible people. Don't live in Surrey, <laughs> is my advice to people in the UK. Um uh, uh, yeah, that was my dream. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, nothing really happened my week. I got annoyed at the, the McDonald's line thing. I just wanted to say was so you know when you go to McDonald's, what's the deal, what's with, the McDonald's? deal with McDonald's? And they put everyone in like there's like eight cashiers and they put everyone in lines for all of them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The. F- Collectively, as a people, in that McDonald's, something beautiful had happened, and we made one line. There was one line for all of them, and the line stopped, and then you went up to your cashier, and you ordered the terrible food that you were only there because you were sad, uh, and everyone knew that, and there was a, a, a sense of respect about it, and just watching the disillusion of that as certain people were like, fuck this, I'm going straight for the... I'm just, fuck it, I'm getting my, my burger. It was... I found uh-huh. it really sad. I was like, this is somehow poignant. <laughs> As I sat and ate my chicken and watched the rules and the like nice helpful society break apart by small individual acts of selfishness in microcosm in a McDonald's queue. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I, I was just like someone who had smoked a lot of pot and thought that was poignant for some fucking reason. Oh, I know that feeling. This McDonald's line. Well, that brings us to the end of the special two-hour pilot. Uh, the the debut episode, the season premiere, if you will. Directed by J.J. Abrams. Uh, that's why it's super long. He does he do that? He usually makes his pilots long. I don't long. know. I always associate long movies with, like, old directors, I, like Eisenstein. I meant, like, long pilots, like long TV pilots. Oh. I don't know. That's that's less about the showrunner and more about the network and how hype they are. Fringe was ninety minutes long. That pilot it went on. Was yeah. it? I don't remember, and I think I watched it. I just don't remember. We should do a plug zone and an outro and get out of here. Yeah, I feel like I've talked too much. I feel really bad now. We, as ever, we both feel terrible, and we've clearly wasted all your time. I'm like, this is not this a good bad. podcast, because I talk too much, and I interrupted Jackson too much, and then I discredited the thing that he, I did the thing he said that people do that's dismissive, this is, and then... This is not a good podcast. I feel like my apology wasn't good enough, mm. and then my advice was bad. And then this is not a good podcast, because I feel like I just talked about my depression a little, and everyone's gonna... This, is, everyone's, this depression podcast was too much 
about my depression. Yeah, and everyone's just going to think I'm telling them to be depressed and uh, it's bad mm. and I'm wrong and everyone should disassociate themselves from me and that's why it's bad. And then yeah, I stepped over everyone. And, uh, this is the goof zone and we're me. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where can we find you? You started to do plugs. At Headfuls Off on Twitter, I do a video game podcast called Abnormal Mapping, which you can find at abnormalmapping.com. Both of us do a movie podcast called Trash Spectre Ratio, which you can find at trashspectreratio.com. Uh, if you want a combined feed of all the podcasts, go to headfulsoff.com and it is there. Also search Headfuls Off in iTunes. The podcast is called podcast-headfulsoft. It's just all of them. It's a good time. That's where you can find me. Destiny, where are you at? I am at FridgeBuzz now on Twitter. That's all one word. And I um, want you to know that I am also at BadlandGirls.com. That's my other podcast. I should probably list all the podcasts I'm on. I am the erstwhile third chair on Abnormal Mapping. What, what? Uh, Yeah. I am also on Books for Crooks. That is my book club with Matthew Marco, um, who is also the Abnormal Mapping co-host with Jackson. Yep. And um, that's about it. Um, If you want to get personal, you know, just send us an email if you want to, you know, if you need some somebody to talk yeah. to I'm, I'm not afraid to give you my email address send in any you, uh... questions or feedback or just anything to goofzone at gmail.com yeah. yeah do it do it now please please we're very insecure nobody likes us Know that loving and losing is better than nothing at all. Man.